It's time now for Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is underwritten by the Knights of Columbus, Council 6923, and Fishers, and is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. If you have any comments or suggestions for this program, please contact Bridget at catholicradioindy.org. That's B-R-I-G-I-D at catholicradioindy.org. Or call 317-870-8400. Now, here's today's edition of Faith in Action. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Eyre. Hello, Jim. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, Bridget, we haven't mentioned cars for a while. No, we haven't. Uh, we, we, we run one little promotional announcement that I think is uh, kind of cute. It always tickles me when you say, when you hear, there are three kinds of cars. Those you, uh, I forget what they are now, those, those new cars, used cars, and those other kind of cars. And it's those other kind of cars that um, really are a nuisance or a burden to most people, but they can help Catholic Radio out a whole bunch. They don't have to run. They don't have to look pretty. Uh, but if you've got one of those kind of cars um, and want to donate it to Catholic Radio, it'll help us a bunch because we'll sell it or salvage it. We'll tow it away even if it doesn't have to run. And uh, we'll turn it into cash one way or the other, and uh, Catholic Radio will get a... Uh, donation of some cash there you'll be rid of a vehicle that you're tired of looking at plus you'll get a little uh, help with your taxes if, if that works out for you you can start that process right at our website which is catholicradioindy.org and over along the right hand side you'll see a little button that says donate your car and right there there's just a little form you fill out and that's really all there is to it you fill out that form you'll get a phone call and they'll uh, make arrangements for, to work out a convenient time for you uh, to come out and pick up the vehicle and the title, and it'll be all done. So it's that simple. But uh, if uh, you got one of those cars, it does help us out a whole bunch. So the website, again, Catholic Radio Indy, I-N-D-Y, dot O-R-G, and look for the Donate Your Car button right over on the right-hand side. Well, I might, I might do that, Jim. I'm getting, get, getting to be one of those, getting one of those cars in, in my driveway. So we might. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've had some over the years that I've, uh, you know, you, uh, everybody gets in that trap of, well, I'll just repair it this time because that's a lot cheaper than getting another one, and then repair it again, and then repair it again, and pretty soon you say, you know, I've got more and more in this car. It's getting older and older and more and more useless, and I'm kind of milking it along. But anyhow, if you got one, we can put it to work. All right, Jim. Well, uh, the Catholic Church has contributed so much to our world, and particularly in the areas of education and healthcare. And those are two areas, boy, we sure have heard a lot about in the last couple couple uh, year, last year, and last eighteen months in in a variety of ways. But today we're going to talk about Catholic healthcare, and um, we're going to be talking with our guest, who is Sister Marlene Shapley. She is the Vice President of Mission Integration for Franciscan Health. So, welcome to Faith in Action, Sister. Thank you very much for having me. Well, you know, the past couple weeks, uh, Jim and I have been talking to various um, sisters and priests in various orders, and I'd like to talk a little bit about your order that that you're a part of and um, maybe how you became a sister. Well, I'm a sister of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. Our mother houses in uh, Mishawaka, Indiana, we came from Germany. Our foundress is Blessed Maria Teresa Bonzel. 
she and two other young ladies began our community in 1863 in Ope, Germany, and uh, their major focus was perpetual adoration and then to care for orphans and to do home nursing. We flourished very rapidly the first years of our congregation. Then in the early 1870s, the Kulterkamp broke out, which was religious persecution, and the sisters were forbidden by government to take on any new members. So in 1875, Bishop Dwanger, who was the bishop of the Fort Wayne Diocese and all the way down through Lafayette, made a pilgrimage to Rome and visited a friend in Germany, was introduced to our sisters and invited Mother to send sisters to Lafayette to start a hospital. Six sisters were smuggled out of Germany, came across on the boat, landed in New York, spent the night to recover, got on the train, came down to Lafayette, and uh, arrived in the wee hours of the night and in the morning they met with the bishop. Well, Bishop Dwanger thought they would bring suitcases of money to start a hospital. And the sisters thought the bishop would have the money. They arrived nearly penniless. <laughs> <coughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. They arrived in uh, December 12, 1775. And by January 3rd, 1876, they started St. Elizabeth Hospital, which is still in Lafayette today. The, That's amazing. There was a, a epidemic of tuberculosis when our sisters arrived, so they began immediately going door-to-door begging for supplies to start a hospital. They purchased a building uh, in Lafayette, which is still there, which we would love to have for part of our heritage, but we're, at this point we're unable to, to get it. But the start of the hospital begged for everything from coal for the furnace to food to feed the patients to bedding just for everything. Lafayette at that point was a very uh, German-speaking community, so it, uh, language was not difficult, but culture was difficult for the sisters at that time. And there's many cute stories in our history about different things that the sisters were given for food. They knew nothing about, well, say, um, rhubarb. Now, I grew up with rhubarb. <laughs> I knew how much, what part to eat and how much sugar you have to eat. Well, the German sisters didn't know that, and they had a hard time with that. And oysters, they felt there was no use at all for oysters. <laughs> well, that's, that's a really interesting story. I'm curious, um, so then how did you happen to become a sister? <clears throat> well, no, no man would have me, as my father would say. <laughs> um, I grew up with the uh, school sisters of Notre Dame out of Milwaukee, mm-hmm. And then I went to Andrean High School, and they had Sisters of St. Cyril and Methodius, and those were both um, education communities, and I knew I wanted to be a nurse. And so my neighbor, I grew up in Merrillville, and our neighbor had a daughter and a sister in this congregation, and um, I would see them when they'd come home to visit. And when I was a freshman at Andrean, we had a vocation day, and it was part of our assignment from our religious, religion class to attend this vocation day. And all the different congregations in the area had booths and, you know, to lure people into their congregations. So I stopped at the booth for my con- this congregation and met with one of the sisters, and she said, oh, we're taking young girls up for a weekend if you would like to go. Well, I didn't have anything else planned. So I went up and really fell in love with the sisters. I don't know if I fell in love with the the fact that we were perpetual adoration, but I fell in love with the sisters. Mm-hmm. And so I entered the congregation in September of 1964, 
and got my religious habit and name in 1965. So I've been, in fact, it was 56 years ago today that I became Sister Marlene. All right, Sister, um, you're with Franciscan Health, and uh, most people in the area here still refer to it as uh, Franciscan Hospital. But uh, tell us about Franciscan Health the organization. How, how big is it? I mean, everybody knows the big hospital on the south side of India and kind of some of the little satellite um, hospitals and facilities around, but how big is Franciscan Health? Currently, we have 12 campuses. In, in Most of us are in Indiana. We have one in Illinois. We started in 1876, we started St. Elizabeth's Hospital. So between 1876 and 1913, we built 18 hospitals from anywhere from uh, Indiana all the way to New Mexico, wow. to N- Nebraska, to uh, Kansas. And we have, uh, I, as I said, I'm from the eastern province, Mishawaka. We have a province out in Colorado, which is our western province. And so we divided in the 40s, I think, east and west versus one one province because of travel was so difficult. Mm-hmm. So right now we, in the eastern province, we're 12 campuses, 12, um, and we minister to all those who entrust themselves to our care. We're talking with Sister Marlene Shapley. She is the Vice President of Mission Integration for Franciscan Health. And I want to ask you, what do you want people to know about Catholic health care that maybe they don't know or that you want to communicate to them? Well, we have a mission, and our mission is not just to take care of the patient in the bed, but to take care of all those who come to us. We take care of the poor. We turn no one away. Catholic hospitals are significant in our, in our uh, um, society today because we are a safety net. Catholic hospitals have become... Um, I'm sorry, prosper to the, not, we're not just the last resort. We care for the uninsured, the underinsured, and all those who come to us. Franciscan Health um, is a system that began in Lafayette in 1875 from, by the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. They came from Germany, and they came to do health care. Our foundress set the example for us. Um, she was beatified in 2013, and uh, has stepped up to us that we minister to those who entrust themselves to our care. I've heard many priests stand on the pulpit and talk about the importance of Catholic education. I have never heard anybody talk about the importance of Catholic health care. And Catholic health care could go away if people don't support it. The first uh, sisters came to, I think, New Orleans to provide, they came to do education. It wasn't our sisters, I think it was the Ursulines, came to New Orleans to do education, but there was such an epidemic that they had to cure the people before they could educate them. So Catholic health care has come to America in the probably 1800s and has traveled all through the United States and all through the world, really. But we're something special. We're, we're not just a job. We're, we're a ministry. Catholic health care ministers to all those, no matter what their background is. We have our values. We have, we have what we call our five Franciscan values, respect for life, fidelity to our mission, compassionate concern, joyful service, and Christian stewardship. I feel they're nothing extraordinary. They're the things we practice every day that you teach your children, and someday you'll teach your grandchildren. 
but our mission and our values are what set us apart from any other organization. Well, one thing that I always sticks out to me when I'm in a when a Catholic hospital is, you know, there's almost always a crucifix in every single room, and there's just such comfort in that. And 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 I do feel like there is a different level of care, kind of what you mentioned, you know, the joy, the the peace, the you know, not just caring for the person's body, so right. to speak. It's not just his, the head in the bed. It's their spiritual, their um, emotional, their economic background that we minister to, not just a disease or not just a condition. It's the whole person. We treat him with joy, dignity, respect, fairness, and compassion that he or she is consciously aware of being loved. A couple years ago when I was, this is my fourth time in central Indiana, but when I was here before, I got a call from a patient saying that there was no crucifix in their room. So I'm the queen of crucifixes, so I took one up to the room, and um, I looked around, and I said, see this nail on the, cr- on the wall? That's where a crucifix used to be. Somebody stole it. Oh. Mm. Yeah, well, we, 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 I uh, put a new one up, but we have uh, gotten away from the traditional crucifixes, and we hang our San Damiano cross, which is the Byzantine mm-hmm. icon, mm. and the significance is when St. Francis was trying to decide what to do with his life, He was the son of a wealthy merchant, had gone off to fight in the Crusades, was taken captive, imprisoned, was ill. And when he returned to Assisi, uh, he was wandering around the hillsides trying to decide what to do with his life, and he stumbled across the dilapidated little church of San Damiano, St. Damien. And St. Cosmas and Damien were twin brothers, and they were both physicians, and that's the link to health care. But I prayed before this crucifix, asking God what he should do with his life. And the crucifix spoke to him that Francis go and repair my church, for as you see it is falling into ruin. And Francis took it literally and went out and repaired three churches before he knew God was asking him to repair the people of his church, which is all of us. That's a great story. That's one of my favorite crucifixes. In fact, I have a couple of them up in my house. And on that note, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Catholic health care when we return for more Faith in Action. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Across America, there are quiet heroes changing lives every day. When disaster strikes, they lend support. They give hope to those in need, warmth to the cold, and help to those society ignores. Over the past decade, They have given more than $1.5 billion and 700 million hours to charity. When it comes to making a difference, the Knights of Columbus are on the front lines. Become a Knight and be the difference. Learn more at kofc.org. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Air. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio, and we're talking with our guest, Sister Marlene Shapley. She is the Vice President of Mission Integration for Franciscan Health. And before the break, we were talking about Catholic health care and the importance, and I want you to continue to elaborate why, um, one, why is Catholic health care unique, and why is it so important? I think it's so important because we value every aspect of life, life from the moment of conception until natural death. And the government tries, is trying to impose different regulations on us to say that we have to comply with doing abortions or doing sterilizations or doing the transgender surgeries. We won't do that. That's not part of what God said that we should hold up to. 
I had a doctor ask me once, you know, well, why don't we do this? And I said, well, you go back to Scripture. In the beginning, God made male and female, and God intended them to procreate as male and female. And the government is you no know, tries to put in regulations to say that in order to keep our tax exempt status or or to be to get our Medicare Medicaid backing, that we have to do these procedures. And I truly believe that we, as Franciscan Alliance, Franciscan Health, we would rather give up our hospitals than to give in to do abortions within our facilities. Catholic health care upholds the right to life. Amen. And uh, that's 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 one major unique um, aspect of it. And and I we will continue to pray here at Catholic Radio that that all Catholic entities continue to stand for life and to stand for truth and to stand for what's right um, as you know different entities try to either impose their I guess hostile to truth uh, ideas on us or kick us out of the marketplace, you know? So, right. um, you know, we all have to stand together um, for truth. Uh, you had mentioned um, at the break when we were off the air that, that you guys had a recent kind of a cool event with, with your doctors. You want to tell us about that? that? That's something I've never heard of. Well, it's called Docs to Docs, and that started several years ago when, you know, years ago when I was a young nurse, the doctors would all come to the uh, hospital in the morning. They'd make their rounds between 7 and, like, noon, and then they go to have office hours. Well, this, the pattern is different now. So pe- doctors don't really meet in the doctor's lounge anymore t- to meet each other. The doctors, uh, we have a lot of hospitalists, a lot of internists, a lot of uh, hos- um, intensivists. So many of the, uh, this, the primary doctors don't even come to the hospitals anymore. So this was a method of getting the doctors to know each other, what each of the different entities can do, so we had uh, booths set up and that the different practices and the different entities could set up their booths to tell their stories. Example, our breast center had a table, and uh, our breast physicians were there to talk about their practice, how they run their practice, and how, how they're available. They had dermatology there. We had you no know, radiology there. We had dietitians there. So it wasn't just the doctors that were selling their ideas it was all of our entities, mm-hmm. um, and they got to know each other so that the doctors will refer to ourselves within our system to keep our practices together. Sure. It's a phenomenal event, just a phenomenal event. Well, I'll bet that's really important, especially with all of the uh, satellite facilities that you have all around the area. There might be uh, some doctors that rarely ever get to see each other even, and yet, they, and yet they both work for the, the same uh, parent company, really, so to speak. Very true. It, it's, uh, the surgeons got to talk, talk to the family practice people. The family practice people got to know what our different entities could do. So it was just a, a blessed evening. I was, I was highly impressed. It's always amazing when people have conferences. Some of the best exchanges are just kind of in those informal you know, how do you, how do you do your job? And, you know, right. and, and especially with the collaboration of all the different medical um, thing, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fruit that comes out of that. Um, we had our own thing with Catholic radio, which a lot of fruit came out of that, like that retreat that we, that you actually mm-hmm. came to. And, and there was a, just a, a great share of ideas. So I'm sure you're seeing, going to see some fruit out of that. I hope so. Cause um, just, uh, the, the, the spirit was uh, interactive. It was all very, very interactive. Now, obviously, Franciscan Health, the people that you employ are 
they can be any faith background. They don't have to be Catholic to work there. Correct. And then s- same way with who you serve. You serve, you don't have to be Catholic, right, <laughs> to, to roll into. That, yep, anybody that comes, those who entrust themselves to our care, we will, we will care for them. So I, I heard it said one time, and I think it was about Franciscan, that uh, we don't serve them because they're Catholic. We serve them because we're Catholic. Correct. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I'm curious, you had mentioned that, you know, Franciscan Health and a lot of the Catholic hospitals in general do a greater portion of the charity care. Is that, um, that's a fair statement? They Very fair statement. In, I think I, the last statistic that I saw in 2020, we as a healthcare system did over $3 million worth of uh, charity care to those who could not provide their own uh, means of, of uh, care. Well, you had mentioned, um, you know, that Catholic health care may not be around. Um, what forever, you know, I mean, based on how things might be pressuring, you know, Catholic hospitals out of the marketplace, what can our listeners do or what can we do to support you? What can we do to make sure that Catholic health care stays around? Choose a doctor that practices at a Catholic health care facility. There's many doctors all over, and uh, you choose your doctor, and the doctor tells you where he practices. Well, mm-hmm. if you're not going to come to a Catholic facility, and if nobody comes to a Catholic facility, then we will not be, we will not be necessary mm-hmm. to the public. So uh, when I was in one of our hospitals, I was in Louisville, and we had to close uh, the vest of that hospital. I had a lady call me. Call the, I have to answer the telephone. And she was all upset because we were leaving Louisville. And I said, ma'am, where do you go for health care? And she told me it was one of the other hospitals. And I said, well, then it's your fault that we're leaving because you're the one that's not supporting us. And she hung up on me, and I never understood why. <laughs> well, yeah, and so that, that is one thing that, that we can all do, you know, that it, it, when you choose your health care provider, choose a Catholic health care provider. Mm-hmm. And do you have yeah, a, like the provider doesn't have to be Catholic, right? Exactly. The, the system to, uh, uh, practice at our facilities. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, do you have a um, something on your website that would help people in that regard? I mean, if somebody's new to the area, could they? Yes, we have uh, on our website on uh, franciscanalliance.org. There's a area that says find a doctor. Ah, okay. And people could go there, and uh, depending on the geographic area they live in or maybe the specialty they right. need mm-hmm. and uh, find yeah. very good and and, yeah. and that website is just franciscanhealth.org franciscanalliance.org franciscanalliance.org okay and yeah. so i want i want to ask you a little bit about your role what you do and then maybe how your how being a part of franciscan health how that's really impacted your faith life. So two questions there. We got a, we got a couple of minutes left. Well, I'm, I'm a nurse by background. Okay, so you I did go forward with that then. You went. Yep. And I was a nurse down here when we were still in Beach Grove in the 70s. And so I learned in a lot of the doctors then. And nursing was my passion. And when I was asked to give up nursing and take on the role of mission, my first answer was no, because I loved nursing. Then I had to realize that if I didn't believe in our mission, why should anybody else? So my main job is to make sure that our, all our employees understand what our mission and our values are, that any uh, type of business we do with other organizations, that our mission, it, it, how it affects our mission, 
that we don't partner with people that are against our mission. We follow the ethical and religious directives approved by Catholic bishops and that all of our decisions fall back on are they ethical, are they acceptable, are they within what our scope of services are. And then what about for you personally? What, How has it been for you to be, how has it impacted your faith? And I mean, you've been in this role for how long now? 56 years. Oh, my. Older than, <laughs> longer than you've been alive, sweetheart. <laughs> you got that right, actually. So, um, Not all of us. Though. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's, what's, been a, what's it been like? I mean, the journey in, this, in the Catholic healthcare world. And, and well, right now, I think the hardest thing is, right now, the fear of COVID. Mm-hmm. And you know, trusting that God has a purpose and that we have our staff to care for those who come to us that uh, we can help comfort them. We can't cure everybody, but we can comfort everybody. We can help help everybody on their journey. It has deepened my faith to realize that God is in control. I'm not in control. And that to rely on the faith that God has implanted into us to reach out, to minister, to comfort, to be there, to hold a hand, to wipe a brow, to fluff a pillow, to be part of God's plan in Catholic health care. Amen. Now, Sister, is the organization in need of volunteers as well? Are there things that somebody listening says, well, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a sister, a nun, uh, but are, are there things that people can do that do you need volunteers? Oh, yes. Uh, during the upgrade of COVID last year, we did not have our volunteers come to the hospital just to keep just to keep them safe. We are bringing our volunteers back now. We can always use volunteers now. If someone someone can't be in a hospital, be in the facility itself, but can sew, we have many different projects that we have going on. That if somebody can sew, we provide the material, we provide all the unnecessary supplies, and we're making bags for. Um, a walker, so if somebody uses a walker, we can put a bag on there that they can keep their different supplies and different tools. I've made boxes for uh, the OB once uh, a mother loses a child. We call them memory boxes. They put a lock of hair. They put the birth certificate. They put different things in there for that, that mother can have the footprints or the handprints of the baby that that mother can have that to hold on to to remember her child. So we have many things that somebody that doesn't come to the hospital can do, but that can help us in many ways. Those are really beautiful ideas. Our guest today has been Sister Marlene Shapley, Vice President of Mission Integration for Franciscan Health. Thank you so much for being our guest. And before we go, um, give us that website one more time so that if someone wanted to volunteer, they, could they start by the website? I think so. FranciscanAlliance.org. All right, that's it, franciscanalliance.org. Thanks so much, Sister Marlene, for being our guest today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is underwritten by the Knights of Columbus Council 6923 and Fishers and is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. If you have comments or suggestions for guests or topics for this program, please email Bridget at catholicradioindy.org. That's B-R-I-G-I-D at catholicradioindy.org 
or call 317-870-8400. This program is pre-recorded.